Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. I think it's really important to always be tethered to reality, right? I think that, you know, you, one of the things in this game that's, that's super important is understanding where you are competitively and, you know, where you project and, um, you know, hope isn't a, a business model. You know, you have to be tethered to, to the numbers and, and know, okay, this is, this is the quality of our team right now. This is, if we spend money on these players, this is, this is where we'll be. I mean, those are things where where you're not going to share with the public all the time. I think exactly where we project ourselves, but I think it's incredibly important. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. David Haw, Bruce Levine here. Another hour talking baseball as we do every Saturday morning between 9 and 11 and that was Jed Hoyer who was on the Parkinson Spiegel show on Wednesday he also spoke to Cub reporters on Thursday and Bruce when I hear tethered to reality I'm tethered to reality and the reality is the Cubs plan lacks clarity it lacks transparency and I think it's intentionally ambiguous I don't think they know I don't think they know what direction they're going to go yet I think it's like having your your navigation uh, system or your app on your phone and you you plug it in okay destination playoffs and it comes back with directions not sure how to get there yet because i don't know the cubs know but please they need to pick a lane i think it would help fans know i think that transparency was one of the best things about the theo epstein regime and maybe they're waiting for a clue maybe they're waiting for a sign but if they can spend next offseason the way that you're suggesting and they are still trying to get rid of Wilson Contreras, that's a mixed message. And those are, those are different directions, I think, in terms of action. So tethered to reality, the reality is the Cubs don't know what direction they're headed, or at least it seems that way. If they do, they're keeping it to themselves. Yeah, I, you know, you use you know, the unfortunate term, I believe, David, which you're entitled to get rid of. Uh, I, I don't know if that's really the angle they're taking with Wilson Contreras. If they were, quote-unquote, getting rid of him, I think it would have happened before the beginning of the uh, season here. Uh, I, I, I think what what Hoyer talked about when he talked to uh, a, a group of reporters, including myself, on Thursday was the fact that um, uh, they wanted to see how Wilson Contreras uh, responded to this year. They wanted to see... Uh, you know, how uh, he dealt with, um, you know, being in a walk year, how he would be a teammate of, uh, you know, a a good teammate. And he's been a a great teammate with the people that he's embraced from this new Cub team. So from all of that, I think it was a test to see whether or not they want to spend money on a 30-year-old, next year, 31-year-old catcher, for four or five years. Uh, what I'll, I'll answer that question with a question to you, David. What would be a fair contract uh, if you were David Haw, president and uh, 
you know, top baseball man for the Chicago Cubs to give Wilson Contreras, knowing your situation and where you're at organization-wise right now? Well, to put a number on it would require kind of looking at the, the marketplace. And, and if you're talking about a, uh, a contract worth 14 to $15 million per year, does that seem fair in the, in the given – uh, well, marketplace yeah. for for catchers. Okay, so let's say Maybe. around fifteen. Would you say fifteen million dollars? I, I don't know. I catcher? mean, Real Muto is making I think seventeen a year. Is he as good a catcher as Real Muto? I, I think that's a difficult question to answer. I think he, he because the value of every player is is sort of dependent on the value to the, his respective team. And and I guess you could make the argument. And if I were Wilson Contreras is represent representation and i'm going to the arbitration hearing which is getting closer by the day i would probably make that argument that he means more to the cubs moving forward because number one okay first of all let's back up for a second i am saying this on behalf of wilson Contreras, predicated on the belief that i think he can be a catcher that you win with I don't have as many doubts, but I'm also not there every day. I don't have as many doubts about his, his ability to receive and to frame and to handle a pitching staff, okay? The Cubs are telling us they do, or else this would not be an issue right now. But if I'm telling you what I think of Wilson Contreras is worth to this team, I'm looking at Caleb Killian. I'm looking at Justin Steele. I'm looking at, at, at Keegan Thompson, and I'm saying that, the best way to help a young pitching staff is to have a veteran, dependable, solid, everyday catcher. And Wilson Contreras, frankly, has benefited from not catching every day this year. I'm valuing that, Bruce, and I'm locking that up because as, an, as the president of the Cubs, as you have just anointed me, I'm keeping my strength strength, a strength. I'm keeping my knowns known. I know Wilson Contreras is somebody I can count on. I'm not worried as much about budget because I have – I have a payroll that's now about the middle of the pack, and I can spend more. And I'm going to do that to keep a player that means something to this organization and probably means more to us than it will to the team in free agency. Let's uh, go to that uh, hotline, and uh, maybe your friend Jack in Hillside, David, can uh, help you, uh, you know, disseminate what this real situation is right now. All right, the score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. That's where we find Jack from Hillside. Good morning, Jack. Uh, good morning. Thank you, fellas. Uh, I agree with you completely, David, about Wilson Contreras and his value to the Sox. I'm the or to the Cubs rather, and I am the guy who who uh, wants to see him go to the South Side. But you know, I know that's not likely to happen. But what I'm wondering is this: What makes sense with the Cubs' thinking? Do they overvalue or, or Miguel Amaya, their prospect? Do they rate him? I know he's injured right now. Do they think he is the Cub catcher of the future? And that's why they got Jan Gomes. He can catch for him even next year, and they're going to bring this guy up. And I'll say what's one thing that Cubs uh, great for them: Contreras' value is sky high right now, and I expect the Yankees. And the Angels both to be very interested and probably outbid anything my White Sox might offer for them at the trade deadline. Do you think they overvalue their catching too much, and that's why they don't want to sign Amaya? Thanks, Jack. Thanks for listening and for the phone call, Bruce. I'll let you take a first stab at it. Uh, You know what he says makes a lot of sense. I I believe that uh, Hoyer is in a position right now with this team that he has to listen to what would be a great offer for. 
for Contreras. Now, that said, it's only a few months of control. Okay, so if right. it's the Yankees, it's the Angels, are you going to give three prospects for Contreras? Um, you know, and, and what, what grade level are they in reality that you're getting back for a guy that can help you, as you say, David, so well, uh, develop your young pitchers and be a, be there for a strength for them. We saw last year when <clears throat> Contreras wasn't catching the mess that it was behind the plate when they didn't have a Jan Gomes uh, there to uh, handle the professional situation. So uh, there are a lot of different things that go into this decision. My my thinking is is that he'll be traded before July 31st. Well, I think that that is likely what's going to happen. Let's be very clear here. I'm not I'm not saying when I'm going on this Wilson Contreras rant what I think will happen. I'm mm-hmm. saying what I think should happen. They're two yeah, but, very different things. They're right, likely but to trade if, them. If you're if if you're Hoyer though, David, don't you have to say you know what? Uh, we we have to build for the future, and if we hear if we hear the right Fine. names, Fine. you know we're say, we're going to make that, that move. Bruce, say that. Because because that this is the thing, we have spent this show already in this uh, the context of the Ark of our Cub conversation talking about the possibility of pursuing Carlos Correa next off season, other free agents to spend and, and increase their budget. You know what? If you believe that they can contend in twenty twenty three, tell me how it makes sense to get rid of a catcher who's all star caliber like well, Wilson Contreras in twenty twenty two. It doesn't. Your focus is a good one, and it's a strong one, and it's a strong. Uh conversation but organizations don't talk about competing next year organizations talk about wanting to be good for a longer period of time than one year and that's what Hoyer is saying here when he's going to arbitration with a guy in June and when he when they haven't agreed on a long-term contract it's it's you know apparent you you don't have to you don't have to read between the words it's apparent that he is going to get traded this year and that he's not going to sign a contract anytime soon to stay with the Chicago Cubs. That's then what's embrace apparent. what comes with that, Bruce, and that is the scrutiny and the acceptance level that this is a rebuild, that this is t- telling your fans you're not being disingenuous about teasing them with the, the signing of Seiya Suzuki and Marcus Stroman and what those signings imply you're saying that this is going to be something that we are starting from scratch again. And because, because it worked last time, believe in us, trust us, we'll do this again. But we're not hearing that. We're, talking, we're hearing about guys needing to stay tethered to reality, and the reality is we're just kind of figuring it out as we go along. I don't like that because it doesn't scream transparency. He, we talk, David, he is being really great to the score. He's being great to your show with Molly. He's being great to Dan Bernstein, to uh, Lawrence Holmes, to the guys in the afternoon show, because he's going to keep this rhetoric going. And it's a very good conversation for the next two months before he makes any trades of his veterans. Hey, the great unknown is, will Kyle Hendricks be traded at the deadline? Okay. That that is that's even a bigger story than than Contreras. Well, I mean, maybe depending on how well he's pitching at the time, he means as well, much to this organization. I think certainly historically. Well, if you're talking about a rebuild, 
Nothing Bruce. would say rebuild bigger than saying we're trading Hendricks for three young pitchers. Well, I think trading Wilson Contreras would make an equally loud statement because of what he has meant and what he's capable of doing. The, so, the difference okay. is Hendricks, Hendricks has control. They have control right. of Hendricks for more than this that, year. That, 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 okay, that, that is a stronger statement because of that contractual reality. I'll, I'll grant you that. But, but the big picture would be, yeah, if you're going to go in that direction, that's kind of what I'm saying. Embrace it. Announce it. Declare it. Because like they did last year, they kind of danced around the idea, and the standings ended up telling them what to do. This year, there isn't that, that sort of luxury when you are the fifth worst team in baseball. I think everybody would understand that direction. Hendricks, Contreras. What about Marcus Stroman, Bruce? That's an affordable yeah. contract that you might want to shop and get some prospects in return. I know he just got here, but he might be just be leaving if you go in that direction. You know, Jack asked about Miguel Amaya. I heard Judd Hoyer said Jed Hoyer say earlier this week that hope is not a business plan. If you're hoping that Miguel Amaya is going to recover from Tommy John surgery in time to be your 2023 everyday catcher, good luck with that. Good luck with that. I, how long can you invest hope into this? So that's a future investment. Everything is about the future, and it goes beyond 2023. So just lean into it then. That's all I'm saying. Look, all you had to do is look at the signing of Jan Gomes. Okay. They didn't sign him for one year. They signed him for two years. Did they have to sign Jan Gomes for two years to get him? Maybe, or maybe not. Maybe the fact is is that from the beginning, our eyes were wide open that uh, there was a good chance that Wilson Contreras wouldn't be a part of the 2023 Chicago Cubs. And that that is just the way it continues to look. Now, to Contreras' credit to uh, and to the Cubs' credit, uh, Contreras has played really good baseball, has been there for everybody, has stood up, and uh, to to the credit of Hoyer and company, they said, we're recognizing that he's being a true professional, he's given us everything he has, and maybe we do sit down and talk about an extension. Maybe he is the guy that we need him to be going forward. Maybe he can handle some more losing before we get good, Okay. The, the message has to go to Contreras before it goes to the fan base, and then, then we'll know. But, but I don't think that's a complete story yet. I, I don't think it's a, it's a slam dunk that he gets traded. It appears that way. It's easy to look at it that way. But by the way, Hoyer talked about him Thursday, uh, you know, looking at all these hurdles and passing him with, uh, you know, with getting uh, superior grades all the way across. They, they might change their mind, and, and Contreras uh, might end up being a Cub. Bruce, back before the Cubs began winning in 2015, I think it was pretty clear and evident and obvious to everybody who was paying attention that the strength and core of the next great Cub team at that time was within the position players and the Chris Bryant coming up and Kyle Schwarber being drafted and Anthony Rizzo being traded for, and that core – and Javi Baez, et cetera, Addison Russell at the time. You knew that that core that you had assembled position-wise was going to be strong. What's the strength of the quote-unquote next great Cub team? Is it going to be starting pitching? Do you think that is that, is that a bigger gamble than banking on all these prospects developing at the, their positions and offensively reaching their potential as the Cubs did with Bryant, Rizzo, Schwarber, et cetera? Do you think that it's riskier of, of a proposition 
when you're talking about starting pitchers who are so prone these days to injury? Look, uh, I'll answer that question in a roundabout way. N nobody wants to spend $300 million on a, a veteran pitching rotation unless you're the New York Yankees right now or the Los Angeles Dodgers, and they don't want to do it either. So the answer really is, look, we, we being Hoyer and Epstein, did it in an unconventional way. We signed and scouted and developed position players, and we spent over half of our budget every year, payroll-wise, on pitching, okay? And we got, we got the best free agent pitchers out there that were available. And we won a World Series doing that, adding Lackey, adding Lester, uh, being able to, uh, to, to do that, you know, with, with the, uh, the guys like Hendricks that they had developed. But more importantly, you know, you know, again, you know, ending up with the veterans at the end, getting Chapman. So to me... The conventional is the way the Cubs are going to go, and that is we've been hearing it for two years. Pitching, pitching, more pitching, getting in their system, developing that pitching. You know, <clears throat> Carter Hawkins is the general manager of the Chicago Cubs. Mm -hmm. What was his uh, claim to fame with the Cleveland Indians, David? He, that he came from an organization that knows how to develop pitching, and that stands uh, – you're seeing that again this year. That's a good, that's a good point and connection. And, and 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 to to Hoyer's credit, the organization's credit, they stepped outside of their comfort zone and hired somebody that was successful somewhere else that they had no knowledge of as an individual, uh, did their homework and brought in a guy that can help them take that step toward getting their next, you know, strong, strong rotation, sign and develop a good pitching in the organization. Bruce, we got to get to a break, but in 30 seconds, does Caleb Killian make his first start in this next stretch of games where the Cubs play 11 in nine days? Why not? Why not? He's, he's doing everything they're asking him to at AAA. He has options left. You can bring him up for one start, or you can bring him up and start him the rest of the year, which would be ideal. I know you don't want to get him uh, over his skis, but he's a 25-year-old pitcher who's shown that he has great stuff. Uh, I say bring him up, start him, and uh, keep him in that rotation the rest of the year. He's Bruce Levine. I'm David Haw, and we both have some chin music, our favorite segment coming up for a couple people on the south side. You heard it this week, Ozzy versus T.A. Who you got? Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. High and inside. for some chin music. Hey, um, how about a warning? Sure. Watch out you don't get killed. <laughs> because sometimes in baseball, you've got to send a strong message, especially when someone has it coming. Each Saturday, David and Bruce come in high and tight with a response to something that deserves one, like this. You know what to say? I need to say. We, I think we babysitting players so much. Uh, I think I, I understand we Hosey, yes. But with T.A., I don't want to say T.A., you got to be Ozzy Guillen because Ozzy Guillen wish was T.A. But when you're young like that, play the game, you got to play every day. And then I looked at the Royals lineup, okay? Same guys. Same guys. The only guy who did not play game two. Because it was hurt. Was hurt with Salvador Perez. Welcome back. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score inside the clubhouse. David Hall, Bruce Levine. That was Ozzy Guillen. 
on the NBC Sports Chicago pregame show, postgame show, both of them he does regularly with Chuck Garfine, does a great job, Bruce. That created a little bit of stir because of not necessarily what Ozzy said was the controversial part, I thought, but the response from Tim Anderson who tweeted after the game, which he did sit out, Ozzy needs to STFU sometimes talk what does too that much. Mean? Ex- exclamation point. <laughs> yeah, she, he needs to shut the front door, basically. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, he, he, he clapped back a little bit, Bruce, and I created, it created some controversy uh, because it's Ozzy Guillen. He came on the next day on the morning show with Molly and I, and he said that he had a ton of respect for Tim Anderson. Of course he does. Ozzy wasn't wrong here. Ozzy's paid to analyze. Ozzy's opinion has credibility. Team Ozzy, sign me up. You know whose opinion matters more than TA's or uh, Ozzy's? Who's that? Tony LaRusso's. Because he's the guy that makes out the lineup. And I haven't heard hardly anything talked about the fact that uh, this was a manager's decision. It was based on the history of the player. It was based on what occurred last year. It's based on what they don't want to occur again. And that is Tim Anderson has dealt with hamstring issues from uh, being fatigued. And they lost him a couple of times last year because of these fatigue issues. And to play him in a double header in this early in the year, would have been a uh, an easy thing for uh, Larusa to do, but probably the, the smart thing to do. Even though they lost the game, and the reason they lost the game again was because Tim Anderson and uh, because of uh, center fielder Mr. Robert weren't carrying the offense like they've been doing all year. Okay. Yeah. You gotta lose. You gotta rest a guy, and you gotta lose honestly once in a while. And losing honestly uh, in in the early May or mid May is a really better idea than losing a player for ten days and putting his uh, legs in jeopardy again by playing a doubleheader. All right, let me counter that because you're going low and away. This is called chin music. I'm coming high and tight because Tim Anderson's oversensitive here. I love Tim Anderson, and everybody does for the same reasons. He's charismatic. He's a leader. He is all those things. Change the game, hashtag, right? This is what we love about this guy. He's unorthodox in the way that he is candid. He interacts with fans. He's great, great, great for the South Side and everything he does for the city of Chicago. But he's a little sensitive here, Bruce. Come on. He didn't. He made a bad situation worse, if you even want to call it a bad situation. Ozzie Guillen was calling out the manager. You're right. Ozzie Guillen's supposed to. That's what, make Ozzie, that's what makes Ozzie Guillen a terrific analyst. That's why we love to watch him. He's must-watch television for Sox fans. He wasn't criticizing Tim Anderson. Yeah, you, you, can, you can say the hamstring. Bruce, they needed to win that game. Tony La Russa can't talk about every game managing like his last game and then look at a game against the Royals, a team you should beat, and you rest Anderson and Abreu in the same lineup on the heels of these Sunday lineups, which don't make any sense. I get where well, Ozzy was coming from. The term you, you know, David, got you're him right. in trouble. You, you are right. You know, you, what you say certainly resonates with me and should with other people, I think, out there. The fact that you cannot talk about wanting to win every game 
uh, and and uh, start a lineup that you feel is not your best. But again, was that not the right decision to make? I I I st- I say it was absolutely positively positively. If they would have won that game, no one would have said a word. Okay, but the reality is is that they have to protect their assets. And they know that Anderson is the most athletic player on the field, maybe in all of baseball at this point. Mm-hmm. And he also challenges himself by being too athletic at times and puts a lot of stress on those very valuable legs of his. And to rest him in the second game of a doubleheader is, in my mind, absolutely 100% the right thing to do. Because the other players aren't carrying their load as far as the offense goes is no reason to step away from the fact that Anderson should not, not necessarily play a double header in uh, early to mid May. And, and I, and I will maintain, and I will disagree with you vehemently that when they handed in the lineup card for that double header, that was might as well have been a, a Tony LaRusso's concession speech for that game. They conceded, they conceded early on against a You're team. You're not going to win sweep. with one guy. If you're counting on one guy, David, you're not going to win. You're not Look winning anything. Look at the next anything. two days, Bruce. So you're in the camp who probably say, yeah, well, you next know two what? days. Look, guess what? He was off. pretty fresh. He was pretty okay, fresh, I, wasn't he? You, you, you can say that, and you will say that. Okay, but I'm going to go the other way. Ozzy woke him up. Ozzy Guillen woke up the White Sox. They finally responded to something that had to, on television. It, you know, the, the sleepy clubhouse came alive because Ozzy called out, the lineup card and the manager and and Tim Anderson felt slighted by that and he overreacted and then you know what everyone's paying attention maybe sitting up a little straighter maybe pay, a little more focused that's why maybe the next couple games you know what I, woke up the the White Sox those what? next couple days what a uh, less than uh, superior Kansas City pitching staff oh yeah uh, maybe. And, and again, they did what they had to do against them. I don't. I give the the players all the credit in the world, but to me, you know, the chin music here, it's not Ozzy, and it's not, oh, and it's not Ta, and it's Ta standing st- st- standing up for his manager is what it's what it is. You just buzz the tower so, with me, Bruce. You're a little high and tight there. You're coming after me. Oh man. It's, it's Tony Larusa, you know, and okay. and in my opinion, the right thing to do, especially looking at the history of uh, of Tim's injuries to his hamstrings and not not putting that on him this early in the year. To me, a good call, even though uh, people will say, "Gee, it cost us a game." No, there were there were eight other guys in the lineup that didn't get it done that day. It's fun to debate. Certainly, because that's what we do here. I am stunned, as and that may be overstating it, mildly surprised. Tim Anderson, to my knowledge, Bruce, correct me if I'm wrong, has not been asked about this. I mean, this happened few, uh, several days ago. He is he sat down with James Feigen of the Athletic and talked about Araldus Chapman and the the role velocity plays in today's Major League Baseball. I don't think he's been asked directly about why he reacted in the way he reacted at that moment. And I think that is something that is a missing piece to this story. Yeah, I, I don't think they wanted to carry it on any further. I, I know the, the, the beat well, reporters in the White Sox. The reporter covers the team, you do. You want to know. Well, you want to know you. because you want to you you sell, you know, uh, to listeners. You want to sell to, to, uh, to different uh, – you want to sell your newspapers or your, what's on your website – 
but you also uh, work with these people every day for 162 games, and you don't, you do not want to poke the bear. Bruce, you're you're pitching high and tight here. I, I just backed off the plate again. I mean, you're coming inside on me. You're really you're bringing the I'm hard just telling stuff. Telling you what I, you know, all right. David. All I can do, I, I'm maybe I'm not that smart. Maybe I'm uh, I, I don't know a lot, but I can just tell you what I do know. And this is this is what happens on a beat. You know, you do not when TA says that I'm not talking anything more about it. You don't ask him a, the question again. Okay, that's. You know, you're there 162 games. You're not a part of the team, but you have to get along with the team for the whole season. I hear you. I hear you. Okay, that's Chin Music this week. Next week, I can't wait for Bruce to come after me again with the inside high and tight fastball. So, when we come back, we are hoping to reconnect with Rich King. We will talk to the legendary retired Chicago broadcaster about his book coming out and the White Sox here on Inside the Clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Thanks for staying with us. Bruce Levine, David Haw here until 11 o'clock talking baseball. Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Now a pleasure to go out to our guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook. That's where we find our Good friend and former WGN broadcaster, Chicago media legend, Rich King. Good morning, Rich. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Doing well. We're talking White Sox. We're talking Cubs. Before we get to your next project, Rich, how would you describe the White Sox based on we know that you have spent some time with them in spring training. You've done some work since retiring for the White Sox. What, how would you describe uh, their season as they sit here at 19-19 and 19, ready for the Yankees today? Well, I think they obviously disappointing, and they're they are expected obviously to do better in the early going. The 500 team is not where you want to be, but you know they again everybody has injuries, no excuses. But uh, I, you know, you think Lynn comes back and Moncada gets some gear. I still like them to win the division. Uh, beyond that, of course, it's always a crapshoot in the playoffs. But uh, uh, yeah, it's it's not been a it's not been what what we're supposed to be. Let's face it. Uh, I'm sure Jerry Reinsdorf and Tony and the rest of them were hoping for a better start. Having said that, you know, you can't panic. It's early in the season, and you just hope things get together. Uh, the hitting has not been there, surprisingly. The team was supposed to hit. Uh, as long as you can't explain the early going, maybe when the weather gets warm, who knows. Well, you have to put an optimistic viewpoint on it. If you're a White Sox fan, I hope that everything comes together here in, a couple, in the next couple of weeks. Steve, uh, sorry, Rich, uh, pleasure having you on with us. And, uh, we're going to get to your book in just a second, but you were there in 1983 uh, covering the White Sox, uh, and, and you remember that year not starting off all that well until uh, the All-Star break. Uh, things changed a bit. Uh, what was the dynamic of that year and uh, how White Sox baseball changed from the first half till that uh, dominant second half where they won the division that season? Well, everything comes together, Bruce. You know, you, you have uh, 05, you go back to 05, I mean, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, before the season, in fact, talking to Sam Smith, I don't think he expected, um, you know, what he, what they got in 05. They obviously, obviously they wanted to win, but everything came together, and uh, you know, you, you, that's what it is. You, you you've been around this game longer than me, and it, you have to get every kind of break to win this thing. You need health, number one. You need guys, unexpected guys, to come through. You need uh, a, a lot of hitting, key hitting. 
so it, take, it takes a, it takes everybody gelling at the same time, and that's the optimistic viewpoint because it doesn't matter what happens. It matters to the degree what happens in May, but the big thing is where you stand going into the playoffs. If you're if you're healthy, if the things are clicking, uh, you know, look look at the Marlins the year that they, they overtook the Cubs in that Bartman year. I mean, you never know. Uh, things get things get people get hot at the right time, and you, you drift into a, to a championship. So that's the dynamic you're looking for. And certainly all the elements are there for the White Sox. They have the, should have the hitting. Uh, Jose Abreu is not hitting where he's supposed to be. Moncada uh, was injured. Uh, guys coming in slowly. Uh, Lynn got hurt. Giolito got hurt a little bit. So things didn't get off to a good start. Having said that, you know, the second half could be, a totally, as you say, could be a totally different ballgame. Rich, generations of Chicago sports fans grew up seeing you in front of the camera and uh, in TV work with WBBM and WGN, and you became a, a broadcasting legend in the city. And so now uh, people might not know you're a writer as well. I think this is your third book you just completed. Tell us about that and, and what compelled you to sit down and uh, put pen to paper, if you will. I know it's a computer and I know you're typing, but it sounds better saying pen to paper. Well, you know, all my, all three of my books were, had some meaning to them. But I, I, this last book, I, I didn't want to, you know, people write when they retire, all ex-broadcasters, ex-anybody, writes a book about their career and all the great moments. And I thought that's, I don't want to do that. I want to do something more meaningful. So I, 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 my camera guy, Richard Isaac, and I, let's call him Ike, we were together for 26 years. And I was raised in the 1950s in a very racist neighborhood. I was uh, brainwashed into being a racist when I was a kid. I lost it, of course, when I got smart and got into college. Uh, but I thought that was a juxtaposed the careers of Ike and me would be interesting. And I did that. I interviewed him. We, uh, one chapter's on him, one chapter's on me. We became great friends. And it's a story of two guys, different, different backgrounds, but also had a lot of similarities. And we became friends, and we had the race thing became a non-factor. We, we were in the road together together for so many years, fighting obstacles, trying to get the job done, that we became just two guys, two friends. And uh, I think that's, the, that's what we're looking for in this country. We're looking for just people to get along and, and race not to be a factor. And I, that's the message of the book. Uh, to combine with that, though, in the book, I didn't want to make it totally a race thing, so I, I, made, uh, I put some stories in there about the people we covered, and, uh, and some of the other reporters and the athletes we covered. Now, we had access to these guys back in the 80s and the early 90s. It doesn't exist today. Uh, we had access to Michael Jordan, Walter Payton, Mike Ditka. We knew these guys. We knew the 85 Bears real well. We were almost became friends of ours after retirement. So uh, it, it, I, I combined that, the two elements, and wrote a book, uh, which I think has a good message to it, but also was a lot of fun and some funny stories in there about what we went through. In the, in the years we, we, you know, we covered the, uh, the Chicago sports. You know, Rich, uh, you talk a little bit about the fact that um, you had relationships with these people and that um, <clears throat> your media career was about relationships. Uh, talk a little bit about um, how different it was back then, uh, reporting stories and more importantly, maybe not reporting some stories. Oh, Bruce, that's a, that's a great question. You know, I had I've had guys, Alan Bannister of the White Sox. Uh, you know, I, when I did the radio in '88 with the White Sox, you get to travel with these guys, you get to know them, you become close to them. And Alan was just livid about something about not getting a playing time. Forget the issue, and he was told me, "I'm going to go in the media, I'm going to blast everybody." And I said, "You know," I said, "I said, 
that's not a good idea. I said, it's, it's going to, it's not going to help your cause. He's a young, he's a young guy. So he had relationships like that. We with these guys and you, you try to give him some advice and, you know, it'd be great to have the story, but the other hand, it's not good for him. So, uh, and, and he had access to, he, he was with them guys every day. And Michael Jordan is a good example. Walter Payton, Ike and I, we set up interviews and we cameras off and after we talked and nowadays, as you well know, that doesn't exist. You can't get close to these players. And uh, so I put a lot of stories in there. It's a book about incidents that happened off camera and, and some of the background. And, and I think uh, in Michael's case, too, I think I got to know, you know, we got to know Michael pretty well. And, and was, not that we were friends with him, but we, we, we were on a, a one-to-one basis for a while. Um, Walter, too, and Mike Ditka, all these guys were great personalities. And we were, Ike and I were close to him. And so I thought it'd be nice to tell the fans, explain to the fans what they were really like in some of the cases, and some of the funny stuff that happened uh, when they weren't on camera. So um, that's why many wrote the book. But it's a great point. You you get to know these guys on a, on a one-to-one basis. As, you can't be friends with them, but you can also you can't be enemies either. We were not enemies of these guys. Rich, sixty seconds before we let you go, but you weren't enemies. I'm just curious. So in all your days. Did you ever deal with a confrontation? How did you handle your worst confrontation with a Chicago athlete? Well, I, I, I tell you, I had instances with Dave Kingman, uh, who was a character <laughs> in his own right, uh, once uh, told me he's going to you know, not talk to me. And he had you know, uh, not a shouting match, but a disagreement. And uh, I, I try to tell him, look, and I, I'm, I'm here to report the news. Uh, and, you know, even Hawk Harrelson and I had a disagreement. And I, you know, that, that I, I told him, look, you know, you can you can do what you want, but I, I, I'm here to report what I get. I was getting information on things and reporting on it when he was GM, and he didn't like it. So I, that, 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 I, I had to go with my sources. So I, I tried to handle it in a professional way. I didn't go public with it. I, a guy threatened me. I didn't go public because I thought that was uh, – nowadays, probably guys would do that. But I don't, I, back then, nobody did that. You took it and you just uh, rolled with it. And we, we patched it up. I mean, Hawk and I patched it up, and Kingman and I didn't patch it up, but he drifted away. But but it was a you know you you can't you can't take it personally. I mean, these guys have opinions too, and you got to just ride with it. So uh, to answer your question, I just try to do the best I could, and I try to smooth it over because I didn't want to be enemies of anybody. Uh, and most of most of the time, I did. Uh, Thad Bosley jumped me for a couple of descriptions of a play he made, and and we had a confrontation in the locker. Things like that, I'm sure you guys have to happen to you. But uh, you try to do the best you can, remain professional, and, and try to smooth it over and get past it. Rich, the book is called Ike and Me. It's by Rich King, and it's a very worthwhile book to pick up and read because it's going to tell you a lot of information about the inside of uh, working in television and sports media in Chicago and some great stories. And as you said, Rich, some really funny stories. Thanks so much for joining David and I. And, uh, you know, just uh, all the best to you. I'll try to get out to your little thing over at uh, Guaranteed Rate today. Uh, you're a terrific guy. You've been a terrific friend all these years. So thanks so much from uh, me and David. And all the best of luck to you, okay? Well, thanks, I, Rich. I appreciate you guys having me on and David and, and, and Bruce. And it's ikeandme.com if you want to buy the book. And, uh, of course, I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> That's Thanks Ike again, and me. Rich. Thank you to Rich King, the Chicago broadcasting legend, Bruce. And, yeah, looking forward to reading that. Great to catch up with Rich, who is, was ever-present for many years for generations of sports fans. Hey, we had a good show. It was a lot of fun. We have some people to thank. Uh, 
We, it begins with our producer, Cesar Perez, who was helpful in get, keeping us on time and uh, uh, in the right direction, uh, even though um, we sometimes we would veer off of it. Thank you to Brandon Hughes, the Cubs left-hander, and as well, and Rich King and Bruce, thank you to you for lining up everything and keeping things steady in the boat, even if you came after me a couple times. David, it's always a pleasure to come after you because uh, we do it with a lot of respect and, and fun every week, every Saturday. Uh, people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine, also on our website, 670thescore.com, where I write for about the Chicago Cubs and the White Sox. I will see you in a few weeks. We will be back next Saturday on Inside the Clubhouse, regardless. Stay right here on the score. Steve Rosenblum is next, and then Cubs pregame 1245. Zach Zaidman, Cubs, and Diamondbacks. Listen Monday morning, Mully and Haw beginning at 5 a.m. Thanks for listening. Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.